Anybody that knows me knows that I've always had this crazy dream, this crazy vision. Like if there's the one thing I could do in my life, I know this is kind of weird for a pastor to say, but I've always wanted to own a bar. Like I just think it'd be amazing to own a really cool bar, man. Just a cool place. You're going to get great drinks and great food and listen to great music. And Man, I want to open a bar now just because I want to have a little stage with Phil and Ashton on there singing nonstop. You know, I think that'd be awesome. Hey, I want you to look around today. The reason we do the last service of the year, after for a couple of years not doing that service, is because, man, I think there's just something powerful about when you get the opportunity to sit down and have a family chat. How many of you in your family, every once in a while, you got to pull all the kids in, everybody into the living room, and you just got to have a family chat? You just got to get everybody on the same page about where you've been, why you've been there, and where you're headed. And if you know anything about church world, or you know anything about what they call cycles in the church world, what you know is this. Your biggest service of the year will be Christmas Eve. Did you see last on Christmas Eve? Couldn't, couldn't find a place to sit, had to go behind the curtains and bring out more chairs. And it's always incredible and it's always fun. Everybody's like, man, look at all the first-time guests. When in reality, it's not that many first-time guests. There was quite a few, but it was not that many. Really what happens on Christmas Eve and what happens on Easter is all the congregation shows up on one Sunday. Or they show up for one service. They say the average church attender, the average person who says, I'm a regular church attender, attends church once every six weeks. So if they attend church once every six weeks, so about seven or eight times a year, they consider themselves a regular church attender. So what happens is, after all the once a month that show up on the same service, Christmas Eve, you know the next service is not going to be the congregation, it's going to be the core. And it's very rare that you have the core in place. And here's the deal about a family chat. You have the family chat with the family. When you're having the family chat, you don't invite the daughter's boyfriend to the family chat. Why? Because he ain't part of the family yet. When you're having the family chat, you don't invite the neighbor over. Why? Because he ain't part of the family. Hey, when you're having the family chat, you don't even invite the best friend over because you love the best friend, and it sounds great to say, hey, man, you're part of the family, but when you're having the family chat, you don't really care what the best friend has to say. It's family. So I felt like we were missing an opportunity, if you will, every year that we would take off this last Sunday and um, not have church. We'd give everybody a break, and that's how we just I felt like we missed out on the opportunity to have a family chat. So what we do is we scale everything way back. In the kids' area today, they're not really having a kid's area. They're watching a movie. That way there's not a ton of volunteers over there because we want them in here. We don't have everybody in the band today because we want them to be able to sit out there. We want everybody to be able to show up and have a family chat because at the end of the day, wherever we go in the future, will happen because of the people in this crowd today. Now, it's been one of those weeks, and there's some of our core that can't be here. Man, we have been the week 
of dealing with deaths in our church, man. You need to be praying for people that attend this church. We've had three different people in our church this week deal with immediate family deaths, and they're all Three of them are at the funeral home this morning dealing with different people. Um, two fathers have passed away and a brother this week. And so just be praying for everyone. But I want to have a family chat with you. And if you are a first-time guest today, man, welcome. You get to peek behind the curtain today. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You'll be sorely disappointed when you see behind the curtain. <laughs> you know. But can you believe that 2018 is over? I felt like I blinked. And it was just getting started. And I hope that you've got everything ready for 2019. Now here's what that means if you're from the South. My wife don't get this. As much as I love my wife, and I think my wife is whole nother level of awesome, she don't get this. There's nobody that's perfect. She's like a 9.9 on a scale of 1 to 10. But there's some things that take away .1 points. For example... There is no collard greens in my house right now for Tuesday. And there is no black-eyed peas in my house right now for Tuesday. So I hope you got your collard greens ready because you're going to make a lot of money in 2019. And Lord, with this crowd, I hope you're eating a double portion of a black-eyed peas because, man, y'all are some bad luck mofos. Y'all need some good luck in 2019. <laughs> but, man, it has been a year. I, I got to be real honest with you today. It's been an incredible year for me, personally. I don't know if there's ever been a year in my life of personal growth like I've had in 2018. I'm going to be honest with you about some things that I wouldn't have been honest with you a year ago. The last service of 2017, I never thought we'd make it as a church to the last week of 2018. I was done. I was ready to walk away. I was in this weird place in life, man. I'd put my wife through the ringer and my kids through the ringer. And was, I, I, I like to joke. My wife says you can't keep calling it a midlife crisis because you've had about five of them. But um, I was having like a midlife crisis. Man, I was losing my mind chasing a thousand things. And really what I was trying to chase was this illusion of happiness. And what I was doing was, I found out in 2018 we need to quit chasing happiness and start chasing joy because happiness comes in situations. And happiness comes in circumstances, but joy comes from the God, from God, and that's not my sermon today. But man, I tell you, it has been an amazing year of personal transformation. I don't know if that's ever been more real than in the last week. Like, check this out. Check this out. My mother-in-law was in town the last week, and literally not one time did we even have a crossword. Ain't that amazing? That's amazing. If you know me, that's amazing. Man, my wife is excited. I did good. I was on good behavior all week. I even had a bad day and did pretty good, like, on that bad day. Like, it's been a year of growth. I'm pumped. And, um, like, man, I'm excited for the new year. I got my new notebook to write in because, you know, you always got to write in your notebook all your goals. And man, I am one of those people who just love fresh starts. So, man, I love the end of the year and I know you don't have to wait to the end of the year to have a fresh start, but I just love fresh starts. I love having a day, and this is the day I'm starting over, and this is the day I'm going to focus on that. And man, 2018 was an incredible year. And it's a great way to end the year in a family chat. Next week, we start a new series, and I'm super excited about this series. We're starting a series called Game Changer. And when I tell you, again, family chat here, when I tell you that I know that I know that I know 
God told me to teach this series. I know that I know that I know God told me to teach this series. I know what you're saying. Well, doesn't God teach you? Every series, I, I pray over and I look at where our church is and, and I feel God leading. But I prayed over this series. I said, God, I just need clarity on what is the number one thing when it comes to this crowd of people that will help their life go to the next level. And I'm not going to tell you what that one thing is, but I'm telling you, I'm excited about this series. I, I think it's going to be one of those series that when I reveal to you the number one thing you can do in your life to change your relationships, change your purpose, change how you function in life, and, and you realize this one thing causes so much stress and so much disorganization and so much chaos in your life, and that if you could ever get a grip on this one topic, it would change everything, I think you're going to be shocked. Some of you are going to get real weird about it and decide not to come back after the first series. But I'm telling you that if you commit to being here through the month of January and you put into practice this one principle that I'm going to teach you from the Word of God in the month of January, it literally is going to be a game changer in your life. Now let's get to today's subject. Can we just be real honest today? It's sometimes hard to look in the mirror and do self-examination. But let's just do some self-examination. I know you love Action Church, and I love Action Church. But Action Church is a weird place. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. The way we do church, and here's the deal. Most of you don't realize this because you didn't really do the church thing for a long time. So it's weird. It's normal to you. But to anybody who grew up in church, anybody who's been part of a church, this is a weird place. It's one of those churches that when you look out over the crowd, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's literally people who make $100,000 a year sitting next to people who live in the woods. It's people that have doctorate degrees sitting next to people who've have no degree and maybe even dropped out of school as early as middle school. It's an odd mix of people. It's people that would not be accepted or who feel they have not been accepted in the average church. It's people who've been burned out on church. It's people who've been hurt by church. It's people who've walked away from church. It's people who've given up on church. And it's just a very weird place by church standards. A lot of people don't even know Action Church exists. We have never spent, I think in our seven years of existence, we've maybe spent $200 advertising this church. And people tell me all the time, when are we going to do this? And when are we going to get the word? We ought to get, never. Like, I, I just had this issue with, hey, let's market the church. I did that for a long, long time. And I mean, every time I think about marketing the church, I think about, man, we could spend all that money marketing the church, or we could spend all that money feeding people and clothing people and taking care of people and providing a place and just can't do it. It might be the most un- misunderstood church I've ever been part of in my life. I think I shared this story with you. I go to a co-working space every day, and I work, and this young guy there, he's all fired up for God. And, and, and like for the longest time, I used to like to give him hell because he didn't know I was a pastor. And I, like, he'd be so excited. He would invite me to church every week. And everybody in the place knew I was a pastor, but this kid is about 20 years old, and 
every week he would invite me to church. I'd be like, I don't do church. But man, I'm telling you, like, I, I finally broke one day because after about eight, probably eight weeks of it, he got teary-eyed. And he's like, I just want you to come to church. And I started feeling guilty. I was being mean to him. And I said, well, you know, you know what I do for a living? Yeah, you put on festivals and you put on wrestling. I said, but, but, I said, but all that just pays for what I like, I, I, my passion and what I've been doing for us. I, I said, did you know I pastor a church here in town? And he looked at me, shot. I said, I've just been giving you a hard time. And I said, man, I love your zeal. And he seemed all excited all of a sudden. And he said, where do you pastor? <laughs> and I said, man, I'm the pastor of a church about three blocks from here. It's called Action Church. And literally, without missing me, because, you know, out of the mouth of babes. Oh, <laughs> that church. I said, what, what is what, that church? I don't know what that means. He said, that's the church that has a full bar in it on Sunday mornings. I said, that sounds incredible, but wow. I said, really? Yeah. He said, you're the pastor there? I said, yeah. He goes, that's what he told me. He said, I've heard you're the biggest drug dealer in Cherokee County. And I said, well, if I was the biggest drug dealer in Cherokee County, I'd live a whole lot better than I live now, <laughs> you know? And then I said, really? Yeah. And then he went on and on, all the things he heard about me, and like, like none of them were true. And I'm always amazed by that, because, man, there's a lot of good gossip about me that's true. I'm always wondering, like, why do you got to make up stuff, man? Like, there's a lot of good stuff you ain't got to make up, you know? But it just is an odd place. It's that place that I always say that outsiders don't understand until it's one of their family members who understand. It's always that church that people don't understand why we do what we do with addicts and those struggling till it's their son who's an addict and struggling. Or they don't understand how the doors of our church are open no matter your social standing, your sexual preference, or the color of your skin uh, uh, until it's their child that's been ostracized by the church. And all of a sudden, man, I'm their best friend. You know what I mean? Man, we're glad you for that church. It's just one of those places you have to be part of to get. It's a weird place. <laughs> and it's real easy to look out sometimes and realize that God is doing something amazing here. Because what we've done is, is we have Americanized the church. And so here's what we, I mean by Americanizing the church. We judge the success of things in America by how big they are, by how many people come there, how much money comes in, how Everybody looks and everybody acts. And so we live in the day and time of the mega church. And there's nothing wrong with the mega church. Man, I, if we become a mega church, praise God. Somebody's been, how big do you want the church to be? I said, well, I'm never going to turn people away. Like, what am I going to say? I want it to be 1,000 people. And when 1,000 was, I said, sorry, buddy. <laughs> You're number 1,001. You can't come back. You know, we said 1,000. Sorry. <laughs> you know. You know. I mean, like. I've never understood people who say they don't like big churches. Like, I just don't like a lot of people. Well, you're going to be real miserable in heaven. You know, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven. You know, 
But I think what's happened is in the church is instead of focusing on reaching people, we focused on growing numbers. And I've been there. Maybe it doesn't bother me because here's the reality of the situation. I've already built the biggest church in this community. You know, it's still going strong. I, I've been there, done that. I got the battle wounds and the black eyes and the scars to prove that. And so you get to a point in your life, I pray there's a day where there's 10,000 people walking through the doors of Action Church, but here's the deal. They're not going to come because we spent $10,000 on a billboard or $20,000 on a mailer. They're going to come because the people of Action Church, not the congregation of Action Church, but the core of Action Church, embrace the vision of Action Church. Did you know, though, that even in the day and time of the megachurch, that the average church in America averages 83 people in attendance? See, we see the big, huge, humongous churches, but we don't see all the churches in town that got two and three cars in the parking lot. The average church in America baptizes one person every three years. Barna just came out with a new study literally about four months ago. So what you need to realize is Even though it looks like, man, discombobulated church here and a little bit chaotic, did you know that they say that only 5% of churches in America average over 200 people a week in attendance? So, really, we're in the top 5% of churches in America. But here's the deal. It's a dangerous place to be. Because we're at that real dangerous place as a church. We're at that place as a church where you can know everybody and you can shake everybody's hand and you can know when someone's a first-time guest so you can go out of their way to make them feel welcome and you can know when someone's been missing. I went up to someone today and said, hey, where's so-and-so been? I ain't seen them in two or three weeks. We're still at that size of a church. And that's an incredible size of a church. But here's where most churches get real stagnant at this age, at this size, excuse me. This size is comfortable. It's comfortable for me as the pastor. As crazy as you people are, I know how crazy you are. It's rare. It happens from time to time. But it's rare that you shock me in some way. Because I know how insane you are. And it's still comfortable where everybody has my cell phone number and can call me and text me and hit me up on direct message on Facebook. And It's a comfortable place. And the bills, they almost get paid every month, and so it's comfortable. So what happens as a church hits about 200 people is they say the large majority of churches quit growing because here's why. All one person can pastor is about 200 people. When you get over about 200 people, you can no longer remember people's names and remember their faces and remember their stories. And here's what happens. Most churches put everything on the pastor instead of realizing they're the church and coming alongside and picking up responsibility. So what we can do as a church is we can stay just like we are. And again, there's nothing wrong with where we are except for the fact that over 74% of this community doesn't attend church on Sunday morning. Why? Because they've been hurt by the church and burned out by the church and not accepted by the church. All the reasons you come here, yet they're out there not realizing there's a place that says, come as you are. 
so we can get real selfish. And trust me, I am Gary Lamb, and my wife will tell you I am the king of selfish, so I get selfish. Or we can realize it's not about us. It's not about our comfort, and it's not about our likes, and it's not about what we want. It's about doing whatever we can to create an environment where there's 74% of the people who feel burned out by church and frustrated by church and not accepted by church and judged by church and have been asked to leave a church, or maybe they don't feel welcome to church, where they can come in and realize that there is a God who loves them, a God who has a plan for their life, a God who has a purpose for their life, and a God who will take them right where they are, just like they are, and do great things through them. Canton didn't need, go ahead and say it, Tanya May. It didn't need another church. Good God. There's 983 churches, last time I checked two years ago, in Cherokee County. It didn't need another church. Oh, my soul, but it needed a place that was doing whatever it took to create an environment where people can come in and feel welcomed and feel comfortable. And if they have to sit on the back row for three years before they realize that God loves them just like they are, they can come and sit back there for three years and realize that God loves them just like they are. This place is needed in our community. So we can stay like we are, and that's what most churches decide to do. That's why they are the size they are. They like the way things are. And again, I love the way things are. But we weren't left on this earth to keep things like they are. Or the second option that a church this size can do is we can take the steps needed to continue to become the church God created us to be. Now here's what you need to realize about the church. A contrary to what other churches will tell you, there is no right way or wrong way to do church. I do not feel like Action Church does church the right way. Therefore, because if I thought we did it the right way, that would mean everyone else does it the wrong way. That's not how it works. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. I believe every church should and probably does. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. They at least started with a clear-cut vision from God. Some churches are the mind of of God, they're the mind of the body. Those are churches, man, they're going to get deep and they're going to break down the word and they're going to get real deep and, and some are the, 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 the midsection and some are whatever. Here's what we are. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. We're Action Church. We're going to go out and we're going to get ourselves dirty doing whatever we can to reach people. If it means we got to be here on Christmas Day to serve those who have nowhere to go, guess what? So many of you came down here on Christmas Day to go out and serve those who know where to go. If it means we've got to go back in the woods and do like we've done in the past, we're going to go back in the woods and do like we've done in the past. If it means we've got to open our door like we did for three years at one time for a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, a 24-hour room for addicts to come in and create a place. That's what we did. There's nothing that we do around here we do because it's tradition. There's nothing we do around here because we've always done it. That's why there are no sacred cows around here. That's why when people come in and say, hey, we used to do this and why don't we do it anymore? Because there's no longer a need for it anymore. But at the time we did it, there was a need. We're the hands and we're the feet. We're the ones who are willing to get our hands dirty around here. That is why we are Action Church. We didn't call it Action Church because we thought it was a cool name. We called it Action Church because we believe in taking action. Canton needed a place where people could come. Canton needed a place who wasn't worried about the way things have always been. Canton needed a place where, guess what? Not everybody looked the same 
and acted the same. And ah, gasp. Doesn't even believe the same. Ain't that amazing? That we don't all necessarily believe. We're not all just sheeple. You know what I mean? That we all have our own minds. That we all have our own thoughts. I've had some deep conversations with people in this church and the whole time I think, I don't agree with this. But guess what? I still love this person. Ain't that amazing? It's an amazing concept. We needed a place where those who are screwed up, messed up, those who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups can come. But here's the deal. We can stay the way we've always been, or we can decide 2019, man, we're going balls to the wall to reach those for the cause of Christ. I can't believe he said that. Let me repeat that. We can stay like we are, or we can go balls to the wall. Did you know my father-in-law, if you've ne- my father-in-law doesn't get enough benefit. He's actually a smart dude. Don't ever play words with friends with him. Don't ever try to outmath him in a math equation. He's actually a really smart guy. And he has a weird way of justifying all the horrible things that come out of his mouth. You know, like he can tell you the history of every cuss word and why it's not a cuss word. And, you know, the word crap. Started on a slave boat. And it, I, I can't even keep up with it all. But here's the deal. Balls to the wall is actually an Air Force term. It was something, I, I'm going to butcher this. I hope nobody was in the Air Force not butchering this story. But it was actually when the, the pilots would go out and they would have to take it up to the next level or whatever. They would, it was a term. They said balls to the wall, meaning it was time to go to war. And she, so here's the deal. It's time to get balls to the wall around here. We have a community that is dying and going to hell. We have a community who feels like the church has turned their back on them and doesn't accept them. We have a community full of people who have living lifestyles that the church has deemed not biblical and not right, and they don't feel loved in the church. And here's the deal. There's a place in the city for the city called Action Church that they need to know exists for them. But here's the catcher to that. That ain't on me. That's another thing the church has done. They've decided everything is the pastor's responsibility. If you think everything is the pastor's responsibility, you're going to be real, real, real disappointed around here. Because if you come up here on Monday, I ain't going to be here. And if you show up on Tuesday, I ain't going to be here. And if you show up on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, unless there's a need for me to be here, I ain't going to be here. So let me make this as clear as I can to you. I'm not an employee of Action Church. I'm a called person to Action Church, just like you're called to Action Church. And I have my role at Action Church... Just like whether you choose to accept it or not, you have your role in Action Church. And my role is this. I'm the lead vision caster. That's just what I do. I cast a vision in the direction that we're going to go where we go. I'm the primary communicator on Sunday morning. And at the end of the day, if you go through a crisis, I'm willing to be there, but I feel bad for you that I got to be there because trust me, I ain't good at it. <laughs> like when you got to call me for compassion, it ain't good. Now, because I, I love you, I'm going to do everything I can to be there. But that's my role. So when people come up to me and they're like, Gary, you know what we ought to do? What they really mean is, Gary, you know what you ought to do? How many of you have ever come to me and said that? 
I never am going to do it. Let me make this as clear to you as possible. I'm never going to start, knock on wood, because you're saying everything God tells you to do it. I'm never starting a men's Bible study around here. Guess what? I'm never starting a youth group around here. Guess what? I'm never starting this and that and all the things you want me to start because I know my vision. My vision is to create environments on Sunday morning where unchurched people who feel blocked out by the church and not said by church can come and feel welcome. That's my part of the body. So if we're going to become the church that God wants us to be, it's going to be you taking your responsibility and figuring out your cog in the hole and your role in the machine, or your cog in the machine, excuse me, and figuring out how do I make action church what God wants it to be. Because here's the deal. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And one part of the body can mess up everything. So I have this horrible situation with my elbow, like to the point that it's killing me. I have to go and get steroid shots in it, and man, it's like a miracle drug, and um, for like three months. And it immediately goes back. So here's it. It's been bothering me lately. And as you can tell by how buff I am, I go to the gym a lot. But here's what's happening is I go to the gym. My elbow's hurting so bad that when I lift weights, I have to compensate and I don't lift the weights right because of my elbow. So here's what's happening. Because of my elbow not being right, now my shoulder hurts all the time. And because my shoulder hurts all the time, it's weird. I, I don't know how this affects it. And here lately, my knee has been hurt. It's almost like the whole right side of my body's not right, all because I never got my elbow treated. Literally, you're going to think I'm crazy. Down to my ear on my right side hurting. Because when I'm in there, I, I, I'm twisting my body and doing this in my back. I'm doing all this stuff, all because I never went and treated the one unhealthy part of my body. See, whatever part of the body you are around here, if you're not living up to your potential and living up to your role, and all you're doing is coming on Sunday morning and sitting on your blessed assurance, and you're being like a sponge, and you're being like every other Christian in the country that says, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, you don't realize that you're not doing your part in some ways affecting someone else not doing their part because they're probably stepping up and filling the gap for you, and they're stepping over here, and everything gets discombobulated, and the church doesn't run like it should. You don't realize you, we, are the church. This building is not the church. I shared with you this about four or five months ago. Guess what? We're going to lose this building real, real soon. I don't know when. Someone said, are you stressed about it? Why? Like, is stressing about it going to change that we're going to lose this building? This entire area is about to be revitalized. Our landlord has made it very clear the land is up for sale, and he's going to buy it. So a developer is going to come down all behind the church. They're fixing to be in townhomes and uh, apartments. They're fixing to turn the mill like literally right through the woods into the premier place in North Georgia. They ain't going to have the ghetto shopping center anymore. But guess what? We're not this building. We're the church. If we got to go meet in my backyard for a few Sundays... My wife always said, I want a house full of people. She might get a house full of people here soon. <laughs> hey, you know the benefit of my backyard? Ain't no rent. We'll meet in a park. We'll meet in a warehouse. Hey, guess what? I got some buddies in town that are fixing to open a bar. I guarantee they let me meet in their bar on Sunday morning. We'll meet wherever we need to meet because we're the church, not a building. But if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, it's going to be because you and me 
understand our role. So are we going to be option one, stay like we are? And we can stay like we are and be comfortable. Or we can go to option two and we can change our community. And vision is a powerful thing. If you begin to study out the evolution of vision, it's incredible. You'll see that vision always starts with one person. I don't care if it's in a church setting. I don't care if it's in a business setting. There's always a visionary in any successful place. God calls a visionary. He gives a person a vision. Anything with two heads is what? A monster. That's the problem with so many churches today. They're run by four or five people, and four or five people can't even agree on what's going to be for breakfast, much less how to run the direction of their company. or their. That's why partnerships and business very rarely work unless there's clearly defined roles in that partnership. And so there better be a visionary, and then there has to be implementers of the vision. The visionary has a job. Get the vision and make the vision plain. Once the vision has been made plain, those who follow the vision or decide not to follow the vision, they move on. And those who decide to be part of the vision, they carry out the vision. And I didn't just make this up. It's an amazing thing. It's in the Bible. Look what he tells Habakkuk in chapter 2, the prophet. Then the Lord answered me. Who? Habakkuk. The vision. The prophet, excuse me. He said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. He said, I'm fixing to give you a vision. I'm fixing to tell you what to go tell the children of Israel. He said, take the vision that I'm going to give you and you write it down. And then look what he said. He says, take the vision and make it plain. He said, I'm about to give you a vision that's going to set the children of Israel free, that's going to bring revival to Israel, that's going to make them see a move of God like they've never seen. But I want you to take the vision, and I want you to write it down. He goes, I want you to make it plain. The problem is, in this day and time, we love to complicate vision. We love to come up with some crazy mission statement and 500 core values and all these things that we got to do. He says, I'm giving you a vision. Now, you take this vision, no matter how complicated it is, and you make it simple. Why? That he may run who reads it. The visionary's job is to take the vision. I, 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 I never like to use people without asking them, but I'm going to. So Tom, you got a visionary in your life, and he's this guy, and he wants you to do a lot of stuff. I'm not going to go into what he wants you to do. He's taken the vision and told you the vision. Now Tom is the master of all these different visions of making it plain. He's given Tom the responsibility. Here's the vision. Now take all these visions. How do I say this? Without... He, he, he's a successful business. Invest. I want to invest. Investors want to make money. Here's what I want to do. Go invest. Tom's got goal now is to take that vision and make it plain. And he's going out and he's implementing visions everywhere. But he's got people under him. And those people's job is to follow the vision that Tom has made plain. If Tom went to those people with this complicated vision, they'd be like, well, I don't understand that. You know, here's the vision. Now make it plain and run it. We have a vision at this church. We've got to write the vision down. We've got to make it plain on tablets. Why? We're the crowd where we as a church can take that vision and run with it. So we need to understand some things here. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. There's an appointed time for the vision to happen. It never happens in our timing. Some of you have wanted the vision around here to reach what it could years ago. And God said, I was just getting you ready. God had to clean some people out around here. God had to make the foundation strong. God said, you keep wanting the vision two years ago. He said, I didn't tell you what happened two years ago. He said, I'm telling you now the people are in place. Look around. This is a pretty good crowd on a core Sunday. The guy says, I'm ready to take that vision. Here's the go. I'm tired of playing church. I got too much going on in my life to play church. I got too much going on in my life to do this because I got nothing better to do. It's time to, there's kids, it's time to pee or get off the pot. 
It's time for Action Church to become the church that God envisioned it would be. The people are in place. The talent in this room is mind-boggling. The skill sets in this room are mind-boggling. God changed the world with 12 disciples. What could he do with this crowd? Don't tell me he can't change a city. For the vision is set for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, and it will not like the vision will be very clear to you. Though it tarries, wait for it. We've been waiting for it because it will surely come. It's a deep portion of Scripture. It is a deep portion of Scripture. And I love how God tells it back, take the vision. It's the point I'm telling you it's the appointed time. It's time to quit playing games around here. And it's to charge the gates of hell with a water gun if that's what it takes. Because I'm sick of seeing people in this community who don't know there's a place that will love them just right where they are. They don't realize that God loves them, that we love them, and that we're creating a place that no matter how bad they want to fight it, there's nothing they can do about it. I love when people leave this church. Love it. Because almost all of them come back. And when they come back, they realize, you know what, I love this place. And y'all are messed up. And you're screwed up. But man, I came back because there's no place like it. This is a special place. So what do we got to do? We got to make the vision plain. We got a vision. got to make the vision plain. I think the vision of Action Church is pretty plain. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going deep into that today. We exist to do church for the unchurched. We have made no bones about that since the day we started. I've made no bones about that since I moved here almost 15 years ago, 14 years ago. Me and Eileen were talking about today. How long have I been here, Eileen? 14 years now? When I was 28 years old? I don't know how I'm, not, I'm a lot older now. God called me to Canton, Georgia when I was 28 years old to do church for the unchurched. I've never apologized for that. I'm not going to apologize for that. I, if you think it's not the way to do church, that's cool. It's not changing as long as I'm the leader of the church. As long as I'm the leader of this church. I'm the vision. That's where we're going. I'm not arguing with you about it. I'm not fighting with you about it. I'm not trying to prove to you I'm right. I'm just telling you that's where we're going. That's where we've always gone, and that's what we're going to do. And when you become part of this church, guess what? It was no longer about you. We still love you. We're not mad at you. But now you've got a mission to do whatever it takes to reach those that are far from God. Church for the unchurched. we looking to redefine church in Canton, Georgia. Our mission is not to grow our church full of people from other churches. Now, I understand that people from other churches are going to come through our doors every now and then, and that's awesome. But when they come through our doors, they need to realize something. They just became missionaries. Missionary to a city where 74% of the people don't go to church. That's why we exist. If you came here for us to feed you, you're going to be strongly disappointed because babies no longer feed. I mean, excuse me, you feed yourself when you're a baby. When you quit being a baby, you start feeding yourself. The problem with some of you, why you've never grown in your faith, is the only time you feed yourself on Sunday mornings for an hour a day. Imagine if you only ate food for an hour a day every week, you'd be starving to death. I'm just not getting anything from the preaching. No, you're getting plenty from the preaching. You're not getting anything from your own personal time with God because you no longer feed yourself. It's not my job to feed you. It's my job to kind of get us together. And we've always called this is a pep rally on Sunday morning. If you're coming here for deep theological meaning on Sunday morning, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you leave here knowing that God loves you, we love you, there's nothing you can do about it, I consider that a success every week. My job is to take the word of God and make it alive and say, hey, practically here's how it applies to your life. Your job is to feed yourself. Get up and feed the word of God to yourself. Quit, quit, hey. <laughs> get off the boob of God. 
and start eating some steak. You know all these preachers, I see all these big-time preachers have these little pictures of them with quotes. Someone better make that. Get, might make that for me today. Get off the boob of God, Gary Lamb. I can't make it for myself. <laughs> I, I like to think that our mission is the same mission that Jesus Christ had. Look what he said, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ did not come to earth to teach. He did not come to earth to perform miracles. He did not come to earth to do all these. He did all those things, and they were amazing. But he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why we exist. Nothing makes me more proud than when people walk through the doors of this church, and they're like, do you accept X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, why are you even asking that question? Why even ask that question? You're welcome here. Because here's the deal. We like to classify screw-ups or mess-ups. And some of these people have been taught that their lifestyle is a screw-up or a mess-up, and it's not. That's just their lifestyle. These doors of this church are open to anybody, anytime, anywhere. If you have a problem with that, we love you. God bless you. We're probably not the church for you. Phil gets mad every time I say that. But here's the deal. I'd rather have 100 people who buy into the vision than 3,000 who just show up every Sunday. Man, thank God. And, and we do this. We, we go after those, again, because we're not real complicated. Because <laughs> remember he, he said, write the vision to make it plain on tablets. Make it plain. So, so here's how we make that vision happen. It's, it's an amazing concept. It's, it's called We Follow the Bible. Like I saw this church the other day that was just getting started. Bless their heart, I'm not saying God. But they had 23 core values. I was thinking, man, how does anybody remember them core values? That's a lot of core values, you know? So here's what we do. We do three things. We love God. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. <laughs> we just love God. We show up here and we love God because we realize he loved us. He picked up us, us up out of the muck. He picked up us out of the mire. He put our feet on a solid rock. I was on my way to a devil's hell. People had walked away from me and given up on me. And chopped. when I, my yearbook says the mo, I was voted most likely to be a millionaire and most likely to end up in jail. <laughs> That's how people saw me. And God looked down and said, man, I see somebody that I'm going to do great things with. We just love God. Guess what? We love people. Oh, earth shattering. Earth shattering. Love the Lord we all heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what people means? People! Like, well, what, what people, Gary? People. That means whoever comes through these doors, we love them. Well, I don't like. I don't care if you like X, Y, and Z. They probably don't like X, Y, and Z about you. So what makes you right and them wrong? Guess what? God made us all different. It's okay. God, love people. We live in the day and time where the opposite's true. I said, I said it today. I'm so we're so good. I said I'm talking to Jack. I said, golly. I'm in a mood where I don't like people very much today. I can't wonder if that's a ploy of the devil to put that thought in our head. I hate people. That's funny because God tells us to love people. People drive me crazy. They drive me crazy. I wonder if that's a ploy of the devil because we're supposed to love people. Love God, love people, but that's not enough. 
we take action. Talk is cheap. Every church says they love God. But most of them really look at the proof and the pudding. They love their traditions. They love the way things have always been. Everybody says they love people. What they mean is we love people who look like us and act like us. Go to most churches and everyone looks the same and smells the same and acts the same. And everyone has the same personality and everyone has the same profession. I had a buddy my other day, he said, and I, and I get what he was saying. He said, man, my church is just a church full of you know, white-collar professionals. Awesome. But I like a church that's got some white-collar professionals mixed in with some of those that just kind of hang out in the woods back there. I, I like those who've been maturing their faith for 25 years next to those that, man, never been matured at all and are shooting up with a needle. I, I, I just think it ought to be a hodgepodge of people because that's what heaven's going to be like. Some of you are going to be so disappointed when you get to heaven to see who made it. <laughs> you know? Like I've always told you, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. Like, I'm not an outdoorsy person. I'm going to be an outdoorsy person in heaven because I want everybody to see that I made it. <laughs> I'm going to get a shirt made in heaven because I made it. I'm going to be a hustler in heaven too. I walk out of the middle and say, hey! Remember that time you walked out of the restaurant when I was there? I made it. Remember that time you went on a war pack and we was going to give away... We were going to do a needle exchange at the church, and you, you started World War III on Facebook and told everybody I, I led a cult. <laughs> I made it. I might be the janitor here, baby, but I'm here. <laughs> Go take action. We're going to prove that we love people. So what's the vision? To do whatever it takes to reach outsiders and make them insiders. Now, those who know the vision must make it happen. That sounds great. It gets us excited. It makes us laugh. It fires us up. It sounds good on paper, baby. But it ain't no good just on the tablets. Somebody's got to run with it. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make it plain that he may run who reads it. Guess what now you're in charge of? Because you've heard the vision. It's simple. Love God, love people, take action. You got to run with it. Once the vision was plain, those who heard it had to implement the vision. The vision, if it doesn't get implemented, is no longer a vision. It's simply a dream, and we got too many dreamers in the world. Someone said, what's the difference between a vision and a dream? A vision is something you make happen. A dream something that makes you feel good at night. Tired of dreaming. It's time to make it happen around here. So I want to give you some ways, and we're going to get out of here because I'm hungry. I'm going to give you some ways that you make action church and the vision happens. On Sunday mornings, come ready to have church. You're the core. Imagine if this group of people got fired up about coming to church on Sunday. That way when all the people who are part of the congregation came, they'd be like, man, there's something exciting here. I do a wrestling show on first Friday of every month. You know what? People start showing up at this show. The doors open at 7 o'clock. I've had people show up as early as 2.30 in the afternoon to make sure they get tickets. You know why? Because they know something's exciting going to happen. They're into wrestling. And I don't mean this arrogantly. It's the best wrestling show around. If you're not into wrestling, you don't get that. I understand it. But it's incredible. It genuinely is incredible for people that are into wrestling. I've talked about the line starts wrapping down the building by about 6 o'clock, an hour before the doors open up. It's incredible. Because they know something's going to happen. 
What would happen if you started showing up like something was going to happen? You know why people, our Christmas Eve service grows every year? Because they take shots in the parking lot. They ain't because they take shots in the parking lot. It's because they show up excited about something about to happen. They show up and there's a buzz about what's happened. People come in and you can just tell they're in a, in a good mood. And for whatever reason, they forgot about the stress of the world for one night. What if we forgot about the stress of the world for once a week every Sunday morning? Life is rough. Life is hectic. But instead of rushing in the door at 10 o'clock, I, uh, uh, I, I oversleep. You don't oversleep Monday through Friday for work. You're there where you need to be. Get to the house of God on time. Come here early. Come in excited. I say all the time, if you can get excited, I've heard more buzz about, this morning I was walking around because I'm always eavesdropping. Everybody was talking about New Year's Eve plans. I'm awesome. Great. I'm excited. Mark Willis, what are you doing, buddy? I didn't even know you was here. One of my favorite human beings in the world. He just messed me up. Listen, get here early. If you can be excited about what you're doing on New Year's Eve, how much more excited you ought to be to come in the house of God and get to worship the Savior who died on the cross for your sins? Man, hey, do this. Determine to bring somebody with you. Imagine what would happen. Look around. If everybody here brought one person with them next week, there'd be nowhere to sit. So you're telling me you're such a low level. You're telling me you're such a low level influencer that you can't bring one person to church with you. Hmm. Come in here, ready to worship. Get excited about the fact that church is going on. Hey, don't come just ready to have church, but get active in the church. Get active in the church. The more people who make Action Church happen, the more people we'll reach. Did you know that about 23% of the people who attend this church make this church happen? That's a shame. Let me repeat that again. I'm not the type of preacher who's going to beat you over the head about something, so if you're feeling convicted right now, you take it up with God, don't take it up with me. Because again, here's the deal, I don't know who serves and doesn't, because I don't lead anything around here, I just preach on Sunday. 23% of the people who come to this church serve in this church. That's pitiful. We got a church, I get it, I'm not trying to hurt you, but that's the problem with those churches, it's a church full of leeches. They suck, and they suck, and they suck, and they don't return anything. Now, here's the deal. That might not be in a way on a Sunday morning. There might be, you might serve by doing this or serve by doing that or, or serve by, I've got a person in our church who's, who's a very large giver in our church, and he came to me one time, and I never thought, he goes, here's the deal, I love you. He goes, I work probably 100 hours a week. He goes, I work nonstop. I have kids and a wife. And he goes, the only time I ever stop is on Sunday morning. He said, so I'm going to serve this church by making sure the light bill is always paid. And I'm going to serve this church by making sure the gas bill is always paid. He goes, don't get mad if I'm not out there greeting. He goes, he goes there's just, I, I, I do all this all week where I can serve this church through my finances. And I used to always be like, you got awesome, that's his gift. Because you know, when it talks about spiritual gifts, one of the gifts is the gift of giving. That guy has the gift of giving. Awesome. Man, come prepared. Hey, there's opportunities to serve. So you don't know where there's opportunities to serve. I'm going to give you some opportunities to serve. Barry, where are you at? Barry, you outside smoking? Get in here, Barry. Damn heathen. Don't ever leave church. Go outside and smoke. That's why. Barry has run that soundboard 
for probably seven straight months without a Sunday off. There's an opportunity to serve. I don't know how to run a soundboard. Guess what? He'll show you. It's an amazing concept. Xander has run that computer for probably seven straight years. I bet he's missed ten Sundays in seven years. I live in fear over Xander because he's in graduate school. I ask him all the time. I don't know. I think he thinks I care. And he thinks I'm being pastor. I'm like, hey, you ain't got no job offers out of state yet, do you? Hey, man, like I'm, a, I, I, I'm like, Xander, you're an only child, man. Your mama needs you to stay local. <laughs> like the church falls apart when Xander's not here. Go back. <laughs> yeah, it does. Go back there and serve. There's greeting opportunities. Hey, there's opportunities in that cafe. Let me, <laughs> I saved the best for last because no one likes to hear this one. Do you know on the other side of this wall is an amazing area? And it's called the kids area. And guess what? It's not babysitting for your kids. They're learning that God loves them, that we love them, and there's nothing they can do about it on their level. But I miss the service. It ain't about you. But if ever enough people would serve, guess how often you'd have to miss the service? About once every four or five weeks. You can miss church every four, you do miss church every four or five weeks. There's opportunities over there. Now, here's the deal. If you're not called to work with kids, I, don't go do it. We don't want you over there. Now, let me also make this clear because it's Action Church. You might take a background check if you work over there. Okay? I don't care if you got drug issues. Man, if we eliminated drug issue people around here, we'd have nobody to serve. I don't care if you got drunk issues. As long as you ain't slapped anybody around or messed with kids, you're good to go over there, okay? I don't care if you stole a car. I don't care if you beat the crap out of someone down at the bar and got a felony. You can serve over there. As long as you ain't slapped a woman around. And if you're a woman and slapped a man around, you can still serve. Okay? Brittany, that makes you, that makes you good to go, girl. And so, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's sitting up there like a cereal with no lights. That was mean. Poor Brandon. Hey, listen. There's huge opportunities over there. That ought to be the most exciting time of the week for those kids. Do you know that we have some kids that come in this church every week that some of y'all bring that aren't your kids, and that's the only time they get a hug all week? The only time they have someone tell them that they love them? It's amazing what Joe and his crew does over there. Well, a skeleton crew. Missy's over there. I think Missy has been over there every Sunday for over a year. Some of you are like, Missy's so grouchy. She's been over in the kids' area for over a year. (laughs) Of course she's grouchy. I go over there one Sunday, and I'm, I go over there and go to the bathroom before service, and I'm grouchy. Kids are grabbing on me. Hey, awesome opportunity to serve. There's something powerful about you using your gifts for the kingdom of God. There's something powerful about getting active. You ought to be active with the talents that God has given you. You ought to be Active with the time God has given you. I'm not going to hit on this long, but you ought to be active with the treasure that God has given you. God has blessed you financially and because of your giving. It's the people, we ought to do a, a garage sale and we ought to go sell donuts. Mm-mm. House of God doesn't beg. Now, we've done things out there to fund the pantry and do different things like that. We're never going to do fundraisers to pay the bills around here because God has a plan to pay the bills around here. It's God's people giving back out of what he's given to them. 
You cannot outgive God. And the reason so many of you are having financial problems is because you're selfish with your money. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Lastly, spread the word. Spread the word. Why would you be part of something? You know who drives me crazy? What's falling off? Of, uh, got bugs climbing on me in this church. It's a, it's a plague of locusts happening in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who's the most obnoxious people in the world? Say it. Alabama. You, girl, you... <laughs> RJ and Tony Sweat. They pull in the parking lot today and everybody, everybody... Oh, God, there they are. Alabama fans. You know the thing about Alabama fans? They want everybody to know they're Alabama fans. They're proud of their team. We need some action church fans. Do whatever it takes to get your friends here. We, 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 we've turned into the day and time where instead of actually investing in people and trying to get it's just we did our duty by posting a status update on Facebook. They've heard you get that status update 50 weeks in a row. Why don't you call them and say, hey, man, you ought to come to church with me more. Man, I know you're struggling. I don't even know what my pastor's about. He said he is going to do the series, talk about the number one thing that's going to change your life. I, let's be honest. You need your life changed. You ought to come check it out. Hey, I'm going to take you to lunch afterwards. Hey, get them drunk at your house on Saturday night where they pass out. Not if you're in the AA meetings, don't do that. But get them where they pass out at your house and then just drag them to church. The Bible says go out of the highways and the hedges and compel them. Do you know that word compel in the original language means to drag? Drag them to come in where the house of God ought to be full. Create buzz. Share what you're learning. Here's what's going to happen. You're all going to go to work tomorrow, and around the water cooler, guess what you're going to talk about? Notre Dame shouldn't have been in the playoffs. I said it all year long. Did you see Alabama? <laughs> and ain't none of you say, you know what they talked about at church yesterday? Do you know what my life used to be like before God brought around these crazy people in my life? What would happen if we got excited about churches? We do Alabama or Notre Dame or Clemson or Georgia. Georgia didn't make it. Who cares? I'm a Georgia fan of who cares? Georgia ain't ever saved anybody's life with all due. Matter of fact, it's killed. It's, it sent some people to an early grave. It's an opposite. We ought to be excited. Here's the deal. We're a team. 2019 is almost here. I'm going to go ahead and let you know this, and I don't say this lightly. I hope we make it to 2020. But my time is too valuable, and I'm getting too up there in age to go through the motions. So if we want to continue to play church, this probably is no longer the church for me to lead. I'll find you another pastor if you want to keep it going, or we'll shut it down. But I don't think that's going to be an issue. Because here's what I know. God's called me here. I've tried to leave you crazy people, and he won't let me. So let's quit going through the motions. Let's take the vision. Let's run with it, and let's make it plain to our community. Does that sound good? Awesome.